Dotnet Rocks episode 769 with guest Beth Massey, recorded live Thursday, May 17th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard. And um, this is the first recording we've done in a long time. I, I blame myself. Well, you know, that's what happens. Things. Yeah, I was away. I was working for a week in your neck of the woods. In fact, I got to see you yeah, on stage. That was pretty awesome. Playing that? up a tornado, my friend. You're knocking it out. The 11-piece band, we we totally killed them. The and stage was too small for that yeah. many people. But uh, I'm not going to go on and on about it, but it we will. Tight. Well, you know, we'll make sure we add a link to, uh, I know, Butter and Eggman, the YouTube video you shot. That's what we'll do. Yeah, that stick one that is in a- the show notes. You got to see this, guys. It was really, I was so lucky to be in the audience. There and it's not just me. A hundred like, of us. It, we had a riot. I feel like I was the, the, the weakest link in the band. Like, the, the guys that we were playing with are just top shelf They're pros. They're powerhouse. Anyway, Powerhouse players. So I got something good for you for Better Know Framework. Okay, well, roll the theme music. Roll it. And it's kind of funny. Nobody rolls anything. We don't roll do anything. They? We don't <laughs> click anything. We don't roll anything. These are stupid terms. Is it dumb? Yeah, it's dumb. All right. Are we still taping? <laughs> okay. So somebody sent me a... A, a question by oh. email about gesture pack does it support silverlight and i thought about that for a second i'm like well that means that connect would have to support silverlight right, yeah well let me bing that and see what happens sure <laughs> enough somebody has figured out how to access the connect through p invoke with silverlight well that's interesting so this would be silverlight four and above right yeah yeah so if you go to connect for silverlight.codeplex.com You'll uh the the person who put this up there uh has a project with the Silverlight Five library for the Connect, and it's like I say using P invoke okay to call the native Connect SDK version one API. So they made an uh they also made an event system for the most common gestures. So they have hard coded some gestures for like hand uh you know using your hands interesting that kind of stuff. No, this is really cool. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. And it's it's a brand new project. It's just freshly out there. Yep. You got the freshest, tastiest stuff going there, Mr. Frank. That's pretty fresh and tasty. Yeah, very nice. Well, we'll add the link to the show notes, too. So, what I got to do is figure out, uh, is port my code to Silverlight 5 uh, to make a gesture pack version of, uh, because, you know, it's all fine to have hard-coded gestures, but what you really want is to be able to define your own. Yeah, which I I got a friend who made a project just to do that. Exactly. It's amazing. All right, man, what's up? Who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment off of show 760, which was arguably, I think, the greatest show we ever did, because we talked to a vegetable. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but that vegetable, Ricky Leakes, knew an awful lot about garbage collection. Yeah. yeah. And so as silly, and as I recall, you and I laughed a fair bit through that show. It was a bit surreal. As, yeah, as silly as that show. That guy, that was the most indignant vegetable I'd ever talked to. Yeah, to be he honest. was indignant. And, but he was in, yeah, he had moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was some really 
heavy stuff around garbage collection because it's an important topic and it continues to be so. And Richard Slater felt the same way because what he said was uh, one of the more challenging topics to occur, but one that I've had the pleasure, quote unquote, of getting my head around or trying to at least more than once. Mm -hmm. There was a comment about GC.collect not being a good idea. There does appear to be a case for using it legitimately. Yeah. In an open source project I was working on, the application consumes a large number of XML data files and APIs, presenting the user with a myriad of options on how to draw these items together. This process consumes a huge amount of memory, and depending on the user's machine and the length of time they spend using the application, the memory footprint can become quite large. Once the user is finished, they minimize the application, and it sits in the system tray notifying the users that they should do something. Uh, when the user's finished what they're doing, they minimize the application, and it sits in the system tray, occasionally notifying the users when it should do something. Uh, at that time, it would be inappropriate to consume as much memory as the application is, could when it has everything loaded. And this is an example of two very different and distinct use cases for the application. Mm. In use and minimizing notifying. By calling GC Collect when it's minimized, we're able to instantly reduce the memory usage anywhere from 300 megs down to around 10 to 20 megs almost instantaneously. And, it, and you know, the upside to that approach, and now thinking about that, is you don't care about the UI being frozen. It's on the system tray. You know, right. It's not a big deal. That's a, a great usage. We considered using GC.add memory pressure. However, the effect was slow in comparison to GC Collect, as you would expect. I would be fascinated to hear of other developers' experiences in a similar domain. I don't know, Rich. There's not a lot of folks messing around with GC all that much. But I got to admit, you have outlined one of the best use cases I've seen yet. Yeah. This idea that while you've got an app minimized or out of focus or anything like that, is a good time to sort of hint to the system, you can run a garbage collect on me now. Right. I mean, a lot of, a lot of times apps run in the background. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were talking mostly, I think, in terms of ASP.NET applications, uh, which can really, you know, you can really see a big bonk when, when the collection hits. Well, the problem with ASP.NET applications is really no concept of a... Uh, of being in the background, right? Yeah. It's always running. There's always demand. So it's very tough to make that work. Yep. Anyway, Rich, appreciate your uh, comment on the show. And so a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com. And before we introduce Beth Massey, let me tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have over 250 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release 12 to 15 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access to their library. Pluralsight offers a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack. Try Pluralsight today. Subscriptions start at just $29 a month. Well, uh, I'd like to welcome back to the show Beth Massey. Beth is a senior program manager on the Microsoft Visual Studio Biz Apps team who build the Visual Studio tools for Azure, Office, SharePoint, and Visual Studio Lite Switch. Beth is a community champion for business application developers and is responsible for producing and managing online content and community interaction for the Biz Apps team. She has over 15 years of industry experience building business apps and is a frequent speaker at various software development events. You can find her on a variety of developer sites, including MSDN Developer Centers, Channel 9, and her blog at Beth Massey, that's M-A-S-S-I dot com. 
Follow her on Twitter at Beth Massey. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate, appreciate it. Well, it's, uh, we have some stuff to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of the new Visual Studio thing I've heard about, uh, number 11. Yeah, Visual Studio 11 uh, beta was released, I think, end of February. So uh, hopefully most of the uh, most of your folks are downloading and playing with it right now. Have you guys tried it out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it, it really has gone a sort of um, a strange UI evolution, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it started out like all monochrome, and then I guess some people didn't like that. Um, they yeah, so I started. To... Wait, I started using Visual Studio like. Well, I was an old Fox Pro developer, so I started using Visual Studio at VisualStudio.net, like yep. first .net, right? Yeah. So I, I remember we had a very colorful icon, and then everything else was fairly gray inside of the IDE, as I can recall. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting evolution. I'm not a UI designer. I am totally a developer, so it went. I just I just need it to work. Well, what, well, what was interesting so. about that whole thing? I saw the whole thing evolve, you know, on the regional director alias and. And on the VB Insiders alias and stuff, and and just Microsoft was really responsive to people's legitimate concerns about usability. Yeah, and uh, and you know, it was a good idea, I thought, to sort of limit the noise and you know, it, contrast is everything. And yeah, uh, I mean, that's why we have betas, right? Yeah. To get feedback, you know. Yeah, the, so. you know, the other one that jumped out to me was the uppercase. Yeah, yeah, that surprised me. That was a bit surprising. Yeah, yeah, their menu options were in uppercase. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's the whole new metro style of design that the whole company is actually moving towards. I think it works in a lot of a lot of ways. It's just it's Visual Studio is very interesting because there's just so many knobs on that thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like how do we how do we kind of, you know, evolve the UI? I mean, I think they're doing a great job considering there's also it's like the NASA Control Center, you know, the ultimate edition is at least, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you present the NASA Control Center without a bunch of knobs that are in your face all the time? Right. So, you know, it's 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 challenging. Um, you know, I I am I'm more concerned as a developer personally though with the performance of Visual Studio and I have to say, um, Visual Studio I've been I mean, obviously been using Visual Studio 11 for a long time and when I have to go back to VS2A10, there is a considerable difference between, the, especially the startup time. I'm like, I I want to work in Visual Studio 11 all day because yeah. it's so fast. It is. You know, I don't know if you you guys have oh, seen yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think we've done a great job with performance. It's just like click the button and boom, it's just there. And you honestly, know? I mean, 2010 had serious performance issues before it shipped and they were only I think partially addressed. It was it is not the fastest version of Studio. I'm, yeah, I'm just I mean, glad that it's also new. It kind of switch, we switched the kind of the the platform for it too. At the same time, we all kind of moved to WPF as a platform, right? Right. So when you kind of when you re-architect any system, especially one as large as Visual Studio, um, you're going to have a lot of different challenges you face later in the cycle because of it, right? Mm, yeah. Um, so I mean, so yeah, I mean, I I mean, I think that. Visual Studio 2010 it, it was a great product, but you know 11 is it's like it better get better. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's why we have another version. But you know, of it's things, the right? it's the Windows 2000 XP relationship, right? The 2000 changed a lot of plumbing, and 2010 changed a lot of plumbing, mm-hmm. and XP took advantage of that plumbing to make a arguably the you know most famous version of Windows. Uh, and and we think we're seeing the same thing is going to happen with whatever Studio 11 ends up being called. 
Yeah, right. uh, as going to be one of these really strong versions of studio. Well, one of the things right. that I thought about when you know I was looking at the performance is there must be uh, a lot of usage of of uh, async await, you know, by the developers of Visual Studio now that maybe there wasn't so much going on in the background before. Well, yeah, we are. definitely, for, for Visual Studio 11, that was part, I mean, I'm not on the performance team, so I don't know their, the details of how they implemented it, but definitely the, one of the, one of the tenants of, of Visual Studio 11 was performance was a big thing. And yeah. the async loading of projects was a big deal for a lot of teams, right? So. Oh, for sure. Right? You know, and like, so you, that's what makes the startup time a lot faster. You click on Visual Studio, first of all, just Visual Studio opens a heck of a lot faster. And then mm. once you open a project, the UI is super responsive because your project's loading asynchronously now. Instead of locking up the UI, it's actually loading the projects async. So you can say, for instance, you have a solution with 50 projects in it. You know, the projects are loading asynchronously. You can actually access the things if you need to, you know, while they're loading. So things are, things are looking definitely much faster, at least in my day to day. I mean, obviously I'm in the light switch side of, yeah. of Visual Studio all day. And, you know, I, I appreciate the tools being faster because it just, get, it just kind of get, get them out of my way and let me focus on what I'm trying to build. Well, you know, and right there is the case for, uh, you know, asynchronicity in regular business applications. You could argue that Visual Studio is, is one of those apps that could be a business app. You know, it's got, all the dials and buttons and switches and inputs and editors and all of the kinds of things that a business app would, a sophisticated business app would have. Right. That's true. It, I mean, business apps get fairly large. I've, I, it's not out of the question to see like hundreds of forms and thousands of reports in right. a system, you know, yeah. the, the, especially over time, business apps evolve to be fairly hefty. In my, in my experience, I was mostly in the healthcare field when I, before Microsoft. So you can imagine how many, not, not just forms and reports and that kind of thing, but like size of data is also very large. It's like just amounts of records and medical records and that sort of thing. So yeah, I, you obviously need to to you know maximize performance regardless of your what type of application it is some more than others um, and Visual Studio is definitely one of those those ones that needs to have the fast mm. performance you know yeah. so so I'm, I'm I'm just I'm really happy with our with where we're at there I mean even with the beta we've we've made a lot of strides there so I mean just in general I mean like just playing with Visual Studio it's there's a lot of cool new features inside of Visual Studio 11. So, I mean, that's the thing, you know, that's why we build a product every few years, right, for new new features and new development trends, right, especially with the with Windows 8 now on mm-hmm. the horizon. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to build Windows 8 Metro style is a huge deal for us in right. Visual Studio. So a lot of focus has gone into, you know, the JavaScripts debugging and editing and, and building of the Metro apps itself. Oh. So... You know, and when it comes to like across, you know, I, mean, I don't want to speak to the whole division. I can't, I can't go into every single feature because I honestly don't even know where all the features are. I'm still, le- I'm still learning Visual Studio 11. Honestly, there's so many little things in there that are awesome. Like the local DB, my, my like I focus more on the data side of things and business app sides of things. So just you know that the, the uh, data tooling inside of Visual Studio 11 is, is a lot more powerful. With the the uh, SQL Server Object Explorer is now in 11 and so it's like a much more familiar interface if you're if you're working in SQL Server Management Studio it's it's now you can work the same way with the same like um, familiar interface inside of Visual Studio directly so, so let, that's a lot cooler let's talk about Visual Studio 11 
uh, with Light Switch, Light Switch in Visual Studio 11. Right. So um, Light Switch, as you guys probably know, was um, an out-of-band release last year. Um, in end of July, we RTM'd. And uh, so we had a you know Visual Studio Light Switch 2011, it was called, because that was the year we l- released it. Slightly confusing because Visual Studio 11, 11 is just a code name. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so it, that's, it's not 2011. So we released Visual Studio Light Switch 2011. And that was our basically what we call Light Switch V1. It was yeah. our first version of Light Switch. Um, now that lights, now we had, and then what's what's really interesting, a little inside info here on the Light Switch team. They really, you know, we released and then hit the ground running into Dev Eleven Beta. Right? We yeah. were working. I mean, we had a very short cycle between our release and Beta because Beta released it end of February. Right? right. So. There was a there was a lot of stuff to work on in that short amount of time, and I am super impressed with the team and how they how they got on the train and actually still provided a lot of features in in Dev Eleven. So so really, what we did is we released out of band, and now we're on the train, which means the Dev Eleven train. So that means we're in the box. If you know you get any version of Visual Studio, Light Switch will be one of the project templates you have. Mm-hmm. Nice. in your arsenal. So I think that's an awesome thing. It'll be in front of a, all of the Visual Studio developers now instead of Visual Studio developers having to go download or load Light Switch separately. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, makers of rad controls for Silverlight. Stop writing all that code. Let someone else do it for you. Check it out. This is what they guarantee. Performance as you manage data in grid view. Rich, sleek data visualization with their chart, gauge, map, and time bar controls, and more. Seamless data interactivity with a variety of input controls, including rich text box. And intuitive navigation with their menu, tree view, breadcrumb, and time bar controls. You want to check it out? You get a free 60-day trial. Just go to Telerik.com slash SilverlightDNR. Remember that? Telerik.com slash SilverlightDNR. Download your 60-day trial, and don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks all these years. So will there be a light switch standalone app? So, yeah, you can build light switch standalone apps for sure. No, um, no, will there be a standalone light switch Going forward, no. Going forward, it's going to be rolled up into the regular SKU lineup of of Visual Studio. So okay. any there, addition the, that you get, will the light switch? Is there a light switch only SKU? Right now, there is because we had an out of band release, like I mentioned. Okay. Um, but what's going to happen is they're going to roll up light switch into Pro Premium and Ultimate. And I don't know if you've noticed, but they've dropped the prices of Visual Studio wow. Pro and Premium. So they actually they actually dropped the prices of Visual Studio 2010 to match it as well. If you guys go out to the Visual Studio site, the hmm. Microsoft.com slash Visual Studio slash pricing, I think it is, something like that. Um, they actually dropped the prices of Visual Studio 2010 in preparation for the lineup changes for 11. So. I guess I guess my concern is that and, and I haven't seen the beta yet but um is is that you know one of the things about light switch was simplifying the UI and sort of taking off uh the menus and options and toolboxes that let you do everything to to give uh the sort of novice developer uh, a little more clarity in terms of, right. like, you know, less options and things like that. Do we still, if someone wants to just use light switch, do they still have that clean experience or are they presented with all the goodness that is the bells and whistles of visual studio? So 
what we did is we created a light switch profile in Visual Studio 11. So now you can go mm-hmm. and, you know, you basically choose, you know, what do you like, VB, C Sharp, C++, general development, right, web development, and then there's light switch development. Okay. And so if you select that, you get that profile, right, that just kind of sets up your Visual Studio to look a certain way and yeah. act a certain way, right? And so those those settings basically are you know, you can cho- you can flip back and forth. Yeah, you guys know how you just switch back and forth between settings. But if sure. you choose the light switch one, then your start page is tailored towards the information that you would need and news around light switch. Um, you know, and then all the toolbars are cleaned up and that sort of thing. So there's still going to be more features in there to you. Like for instance, you're going to see file new project. You see all of the different types of projects you could you could possibly build in mm-hmm. Visual Studio. Those additions, mm-hmm. but. What we but but that's a good thing because we we wanted that to happen because with light switch in version two um, we've opened up the middle tier services as O data services and so right. now you're building real true true interoperable data services inside of light switch which means that you could then build any companion clients besides the client that that light switch gives you you could create additional companion clients so for instance light switch will give you the desktop apps that you need to do heavy duty data entry and that sort of thing with your silverlight client but then you could potentially write um, you know a windows 8 metro style app or mm-hmm. you know that works against the data services cuz mm-hmm. you're cuz you because we're making the data services so that you can just easily deploy them right into right into the Azure cloud if you need to even right. LightSwitch already has like Azure deployment built into it. We're making a lot of of um, of feature enhancements around the just the deployment part just to make it a lot easier and more predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that kind of thing. So we, so opening like putting LightSwitch into Visual Studio Pro. Um, gives you a lot of added benefits because you could re- business apps these days are not just about you know uh, a dumb terminal with one person entering data all day into it. It's yeah. more about like data anywhere you need it and mobile devices and tablet devices and so it really is important that we we built the the data services mm-hmm. to be interoperable. Right. So it's kind of, it's very cool. I mean, we really did a lot of work rip, really ripping out the guts of of the middle tier. I mean, in version one of LightSwitch, you could think of the middle here as a black box that really, I mean, really only the Silverlight client knew how to talk to. Right, okay? right. You know, I mean, even though, yes, it was truly physically end here, but really it was kind of like very specific middle tier to the client, right? Right, and, and uh, you know, from what I have uh, light switch experience, the it's extensible in that you have events and things to handle so that you can tap into that process to do validation and things like that. Oh, absolutely. And that's still all there. So actually, what's really cool, what we really did is the development experience is exactly the same as it was in version one. But under the hood, LightSwitch is automatically creating data services for you, yeah. interoperable hmm. data sources. And that, you know, so if you're just, you know, you're just a developer that doesn't know what a data service is, it doesn't matter. You don't have to know. Um, you still build the application like you normally would and deploy it like you normally would. Um, but if you do want to take advantage of those things, what's really cool is they mentioned, Carl, you write all your logic and your business logic validation you know, workflow, whatever, you know, whatever the business rules are, you write those into the data services still into the middle tier and any client that connects to it. And, and even your security, you know, you have like authentication, right. authorization and security. You have, we actually added row level security so you can do automatic filtering of data yep. coming and it comes out of the data services themselves. So not only does the light switch client pay attention 
to it, but any other client that you build against these services are going to pay attention to your business rules. So really, light switch is, is you know, you know the tagline for light switch is, you know, it's the simplest way to build business applications for the desktop and the cloud. Right. Well, really, it's the simplest way to build business applications and data services for the desktop and the cloud. Yeah. Interesting. So if so you just there's almost this services, idea that you could use this as a starting point for an right. application, even though you might go in some other directions for what clients you build. Exactly. So really, you have a, just a simple way, very simple way to model data. And what you're really modeling, like any, any, because, you know, LightSwitch can aggregate multiple data sources, right? So you can pull in multiple data sources, relate them together, and, and create mm, The screen. big one for me was uh, SharePoint. Yeah, yeah, SharePoint, and we, we added O data services as a consumable data source as well. So not only does LightSwitch produce data services, but it can consume them as well. So like if you want to go to Azure Data Market, you want to pull down some data sets to enhance the application itself, it just treats it as any other data source. Mm. And what's cool is you can write business logic around that data source, and then it re-exposes it through its own data services. So Mm -hmm. each data source that you consume within LightSwitch becomes its own OData service endpoint addressable endpoint with business cool. rules around it, right? So you can think of it as kind of like take light switch just basically is like I need to provide some business value around. I just, I need to buy, build a middle, a smart middle tier. Okay. Right. Like I'm not, I don't want to just do crud. You know, I need some business logic. You know, it's very common that you're going to need some validation. But no, the minimum, other thing right? is this doesn't sound like it's pure greenfield either, that I can take a bunch of stuff I've already built right. and almost build an abstraction layer over that sort of levels it off as O data. Right, exactly. You can you could do that, or you can say, okay, I need to enhance some of these very say they're legacy databases that right. you have, right? You and there are no data services around it or anything. You have these legacy databases. You just you're going to connect your middle tier directly to them. But what the middle tier is going to do is provide the business value and the services, the addressable mm-hmm. services for you. And then you can say, okay, well, this is you know kind of an old database. We need to enhance it. We don't want to change the structure of the, the legacy database because you have like maybe old you know old systems connecting to it. Instead, we're going to build on to create a new um, intrinsic database is what we call it by modeling additional data through LightSwitch itself and then relate those things together, you know, so we can create virtual relationships across those data sources. So LightSwitch is is just a way, you can think of it as an easy way to like aggregate multiple data sources and provide business value around that and access control. Um, And then if you need a UI, you know, you just point some screen templates to it and, and you got the UI. Hmm. And if you if you want to build your own UI, you want to you know you want a you know an Android application instead, you can go ahead and do that because they're just O data services. Actually, I'm going to call out one of our um, one of our community champions. Pretty much is uh, Michael Washington is a Silverlight MVP. He runs the LightSwitchHelpWebsite.com, and I've given him a big shout, shout out this month be- or last month because he started cranking out a bunch of different clients against LightSwitch OData services. He's got examples for all sorts of things, like Unity 3D, which is really cool. Um, yeah. You know, Android, you know, he's got uh, HTML clients. He's, he's just showing, you know, we, we actually did a post, our, the team blog did a post just showing how to do, how to consume them through a Windows 8 Metro style app. So there's a lot of p- potential there. It makes total sense that LightSwitch opened up its data services. It's all about data, right? Hey, Beth, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask you to stop this sentence that's been going on for 10 minutes here because so we can as i almost said that is the longest sentence i've ever heard in my life take a breath honey um no i I appreciate uh, your enthusiasm and stuff Uh, we need to just pause here to give away some product 
And this is, it's the middle of the show and it's time to do the giveaway. So if you don't know what we're talking about, this is the .NET Rocks fan club giveaway we do every show. Today's winner of a Telerik Ultimate Collection is our good friend, Richard, James Chambers. Oh, really? James. Congratulations, James. Yeah. Golf clap for you. You know, it's a random process. Yeah, and you've, got a, you've got a tool that, that selects these. Yeah. You have no control over it. We push a button and your name came up. So there congratulations, James. And uh, if uh, you want to win something, just go to .netrocks.com. Click on the big Get Free Stuff button up in the right-hand corner of the page and fill out a couple of forms and it's free every year we're going to give away five thousand dollars worth of technology in december so you don't want to miss that awesome so before we get into um before we get into silverlight which is sort of burning on uh, richards in my mind how how what's the upgrade process if somebody bought light switch and now wants to get into you know has to get into visual studio pro so basically the from the 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 upgrade from a version 1 light switch app to version 2 should be pretty much a no brainer you should just be able to open the project itself and it will convert mm-hmm. um some some things you have to watch out for and we have some tips and tricks on our on our blog right now is that if you have cuz light switch has a whole extensibility model and there's a lot of extensions third party extensions for light switch out there so if Folks have not, because we're just in beta, if folks haven't taken their extension and and upgraded the extension itself so that it loads in Visual Studio 11 and you're using one of them, then it won't upgrade. So okay. you'll have to deactivate the extension, okay, to upgrade it. Really, the surefire way to get your apps to upgrade is to, un, like, basically uncheck all the extensions you're using, upgrade the project, and then, re- and then reinstall, because you have to... You basically have to install an extension per version of Visual okay. Studio. Okay, so it's just like any other Visual Studio extension. If you load a version 10 extension, then it's going to go VS 2010. If you load an 11, it's VS 11. You can say whether or not your extension supports both, but it's up to like the extension creator, like right. what you know what it supports. So you go ahead and install the extension again in your uh, against your Visual Studio 11 Hive, I guess it is, and then you can go ahead and, and upgrade the project. It should upgrade completely smoothly, and then you enable the extensions again. That's the for sure fire way to ha- not have a problem whatsoever. But really, what Visual Studio Light Switch will do is it will attempt to move everything for you and it'll say this extension doesn't load in Visual Studio 11. So if you're not using any extensions, you're not going to have a problem. Um, So yeah, so we try to make the upgrade process as smooth as possible. Okay, great. So we got to talk about Silverlight. Yeah, we got to. Because the original version of LightSwitch built Silverlight clients. That's correct. And now are you still building Silverlight clients in the new version? We're still building Silverlight clients right now. Yes, okay. we are. And we actually modernized the client's look and feel a lot more in this version. So we actually have right now in beta, we have a um, a theme and shell called the Cosmopolitan theme and shell that we're in beta testing right now. And right. what we're going to end up doing is making that theme and shell the default. And it's a lot more web app looky instead of like the office app look. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll still allow you to have the old office look and feel, but we're going to have a new shell in there and that's going to be the default for all new projects. It's the Cosmo shell and theme. And that's a lot more Metro style um, um, icons and it has a just a flat, you know, no navigation on the left-hand side that takes up space and the, like a, the buttons are on the bottom. It just kind of maximizes the size of the screen. It takes out all the lines and grids and kind of cleans up the UI so it looks more modern. Now, when you describe the way that LightSwitch builds the data access layer, 
it to me sounds exactly the way that it, like a best practice description of how to build a metro app. So, I mean, really a metro app, right? So, metro app to me is more of the UI experience, right? It's I'm really totally more with of, you, but you know, that, right. when you're going to build a native metro app, doesn't matter what. You're going to need a you use for that. Yeah. You have to talk to a data access layer like an O data access layer. Right. Exactly. And well, and that that's that's exactly the reason why we went with O data too because sure. it's it's way more um interoperable between it's not just a Microsoft technology, it's an open technology, right? A lot of vendors are using O data. Sure. Know? So 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 yeah, so that's definitely one very powerful way to use light switch is, mm-hmm. is to use it as the middle tier. But I need you, know. you to make me native Metro clients. Well, we HTML5 apps. well, you know, you might want to stay tuned for some announcements. <laughs> oh, so I am so, not the first person to have presented this idea. We're not the first person to ask for this. Okay, are, let's, let's put it that way. There's, you know, we have a user voice site um, and, you know, the fir- I think the the number one request is report designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something we really you know really have on our backlog for looking at, and the number two is HTML five client. Um, if you look at that, if you look at that post though, it really is about don't take my silver light away. You know, I mm-hmm. still want, I still need a rich you know crud app. You know, that's yeah. light switch is all about you know finding and searching and, and editing data really right yep. don't take that away but then add you know i want to build additional clients so this is not the first time we've heard this request so this is definitely something we are have on our radar surfing the web yeah you ever try to surf the web on your phone it's a little small especially when you're looking at a big list like the new feature list for active report six. Oh yeah Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support. So that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight Data Viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active Reports from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. I kind of see Silverlight as moving away from that, what the original promise of write once run on any, in any browser to, to the new Windows forms. Well, you know what though? It's not really. It, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I had to write a lot of, you know, well, remember back in the day when they called them fat clients and then they started mm-hmm. calling them rich clients because, mm-hmm. I don't know, fat was not good and rich is good. So you still, I don't <laughs> rich know. Rich and still, fat is even better. <laughs> rich and fat. So, you know, you still wrote your middle tiers and then you had, you know, you had these WinForm clients, right, connecting to the middle tiers. You know, they were not lightweight. They, you still had right. to have like the whole dang uh, .NET framework on there, and the deployment model was really tough. Right. So that's why you, you you had the two choices. You had okay, now you go to a web app. Okay, that's going to take a really long time to write a rich app. You know, for a lot of applications, they just didn't have the budget for that type of thing. You want to write an AR system or a medical record system? It's really tough to do in a web app back then. Mm-hmm. And so, really, Lightswitch or Silverlight, you know, I think has the best of both worlds because it really is a rich. It's a rich client that has the easy deployment model. Yeah. Well, so, and you know, that's, that's exactly what I meant, though. That's <laughs> exactly what I, I didn't mean it was WinForms. I mean, it plays the role that we always wanted WinForms to play, which is the rich client out of browser experience and easy deployment. Right, yeah, right. That's what I'm so, talking so about. So for today, like if you're building business applications today, like right, the, right now, 
Like the the best technology right now. What what is what is it? What's the best client technology right now? If you're going to build a business application. Oh, Silver, I do. I do in Silverlight. I think Silverlight is a great choice, and I you know, they, Silverlight, yeah, right, and and you know, because it gives you pretty much everything you need today to right. build these things. So you know, and that's the thing. Um, like Light Switch is is more of a it's a it's a model based application framework, right? So you're describing an application to us, and we're picking we're we're making technology choices for you. We're writing all the plumbing for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, Light Switch gives you that kind of abstraction layer between, you know, I'm not writing all this code, right? You know, if I needed to, you know, re- quote unquote, rewrite my light switch application, you know, how many days would that take, right? We're not talking about years to build applications anymore. So what I'm saying is like, if you don't like what light switch is produced, you know, in two years from now, I think you could probably take another few days and rewrite whatever you need to write. Well, and, and you can't argue with the back-end infrastructure, says the database guy, right? right. But th- once you've right. got that O'Dea later built, go ahead, build whatever clients you want. Right. I just want you to do it for me, Beth. I don't want to <laughs> learn anything. I want right. to push a button and you spit out an HTML5 client. I okay. want to push a button and you spit out a WinPhone 7 client. I want to push out a, a button and you spit out a Metro client. Get to work, All you right, slackers! We are. We're working on it. <laughs> we were working on it just because you asked. <laughs> no, we hear you. We hear you. Well, and, and I like the fact that you're doing a metro-esque template in Silverlight because yeah. people want that look. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I mean, I, I am not, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm not a designer myself. So having more shells and themes available to me to just pick from and as a yeah. drop down is a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, give me templates, right? I mean, I've looked over the design rules for Metro, yeah, you know, as when it gets closer and we're starting to look at these things. And it's, wow, I don't know that I'm that smart. <laughs> it's well, a lot yeah, of stuff. Have that much time to draw. You know, it's I mean, a lot of math. And it's like, you know, this feels like it should be a template. This should be, yeah. I start a metro project mm-hmm. and it tells me where stuff's supposed to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there, well, and there's know, a lot of third-party, you know, extensions, themes, and, and stuff that you can download as well. So, I mean, it's it's like, th- that's exactly what, I'm I'm with you, Richard. I don't want to have to do all that stuff either. I want someone much, much more design-savvy and smarter than me to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. And, and one, one step at a time, obviously. But it, I also like the sort of reality, not that Microsoft said Silverlight's dead, just that Microsoft hasn't really said anything. But right. oddly enough, folks that are making stuff with Silverlight still seem to actually have their programs run. Well, I mean, there is a support policy on Silverlight. Oh, ten, yeah. Ten years of support, right? Anything anything we release, you know, Visual Studio is the same way. You know, but that ten, wasn't ten the question, right? The question was, what's coming in the next version? And there's no answer to that. Right. You know. So what's in the box new in that we haven't talked about in Light Switch uh, for Visual Studio 11? So, okay, so we've made it um, a lot easier to work with legacy databases. By um, by that, I mean a lot of, you know, old mainframe type systems or just old databases don't have a lot, of, sometimes don't have any relationships defined within the databases themselves. You, you know, they have shared keys and then it's all based like on query, like a kind of association, but not, they don't have actual referential integrity built into their data. Um, so we found that a lot of customers running into pulling, so 
So if you have that kind of system and you pull that into LightSwitch, LightSwitch can't do a lot of stuff for you on the screens because it doesn't right. know the relationships. Mm-hmm. So what what we did have in version one is you can define a virtual relationship across data sources because you kind of have to if you want to pull stuff on the same screen. But we didn't allow it within the same container. So now we've made it easier to work with these databases by if you have a database data source, you can define virtual relationships on the model side, on the LightSwitch side, and it will then respect those those relationships, and it basically makes screen design a heck of a lot easier. So that's something we did. Um, You also made, you know, I mentioned deployment. We're going to make, we're following, so since the the Azure tools are also part of BizApps as well, so we have another sub-team of BizApps that works on Azure tooling. So they re- and they release those SDKs, those Azure Tool SDKs, as the Azure platform releases, which is on a totally different schedule as Visual Studio, as you guys know. So yeah. what we've what we've done with LightSwitch is we've also made the deployment, uh, so Azure deployment, also follow the Azure SDK and the Azure, um, you know, um, platform releases. So that what we can do is we can take you along our published wizard, quote unquote, in in LightSwitch is now going to follow along that path, mm-hmm. and so you'll always be able to deploy your application to Azure using the latest tools and the latest easy things, you know, easy buttons, I call them. Okay, so that's that's a nice thing. It's a little bit of a change for mm-hmm. us, but that's kind of a nice thing. So our deployment wizard might be on an off cycle mm-hmm. and then LightSwitch itself. So there's other tools like that that we're going to be doing in, in LightSwitch as well. And I think a lot of teams within Visual Studio are doing that as well. You see a lot of, like, these off-cycle releases, you know, Visual Studio itself is a very long cycle, so a lot of teams want to release, and same thing with the .NET framework, right? Very long cycles. A lot of teams want to release quicker. Um, We can now do that with these, with these packs of of stuff that you can, you can pull in. I mean, there's a lot of little things. We addressed a lot of customer feedback and that sort of thing. Um, You know, we, like I mentioned, they get, they wanted a logo on the login screen. I mean, who the heck wants to see a logo when they log into a business app? Well, pretty much everybody. So, (laughs) 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 so, you know, that was a, that was like our, like, third top suggestion on user voice and we're like yeah that's probably a good idea so it's not in the beta it will be in in the next refresh and and definitely in the final release the logo will show up on the login screen um and we made just a lot of different um deployment enhancements to iis deployment as well and you know we we always supported iis 6 and 7 up but we, it was kind of a pain in the butt in six because you'd have to create your like to, especially when you created a package, you had to create your own like XML file and commands to, and then load web deploy and do it all manually. We kind of just now we just kind of spit all that stuff out for you if you're doing a package, just kind of making it a little bit easier to to do that. Mm-hmm. The deployment is always the hardest part. I mean, like you can build a light switch app in like ten minutes, and then it takes you an hour and a half to deploy it. But you know, it's just like setting up IIS and that sort of thing. We're going to change around some of the we, you, the web the web platform installer. You use that to pull down all the uh, prerequisites for light switch. And really, what we're going to do is we're just going to follow along the same path as any web application. You know, you have you configure any web application. You configure IIS or IIS Express. Mm-hmm. You pull it down through the web PI, and you you should be good to go to deploy a light switch app in the same same places. So. We kind of just wanted to make it more, you know, not the oddball, you know, just like, hey, if you, you're doing web application development, you should be able to deploy a light switch app to the same, right. same setup, you know. So we made that easy. And, you know, what's nice is you can deploy the light switch v2 apps to v1 setups. So if you already have a, a, a middle tier running a version one app, you can deploy the version two apps there too without any changes. So that's kind of nice too. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect, we all, you know, like, we kind of are, are doing things like, you know, also pulling in, the, you know, those XML files that, like, ISPs will give you to, to say, here's our, here's what our configuration is like. Mm-hmm. Like, which just Web Matrix actually does that too, where you can just say, here's the configuration file my ISP gave me and click and just kind of load it in. Lightswitch does that now too. So we're just big at a lot of deployment enhancements just to make it better. Bigger and, then, and yeah, better and Bigger easier. and better. You know, and we got like, you know, static images and text and group boxes and formatting and all those little bells and whistles on the UI side that people have asked for to help, you know, just format data on screens and things like that. So Yeah, new- but there's so many different moving parts to Lightswitch. I know we talk about everything being simpler, but... You've got this whole data access layer. You've got this, the cloud deployment piece, and then you've got the client generator. Like these are not small things. No, I mean, it's really, it's really kind of amazing. I think of how easy we make application building, like interior application building and cloud application building theme because yeah. it's right, right? <laughs> because yeah. it really is complicated i mean i mean i am i'm amazed every time i use light switch i'm just i'm just smiling because i know i know as a professional developer i know and the people somebody on the team i know what we're building under the covers i know how much work light switch is doing and so that's why i'm always smiling while i'm using it you know i mean i can build i can build a, a proof of concept in like an hour and a half you know if almost a full-fledged application you know based on some you know we're Fairly complex requirements, and then go but ahead. But how and much of that proof of concept is throwaway at that point? You know, it's not even throwaway. It's like here's a proof of concept. You like it? Okay, cool. Here, I'll add a couple more features you need. Okay, we're done. <laughs> you want <laughs> to ship it? <laughs> ship you it. Know? Yeah, that's right. You well, know, and I also like this idea that you're not locked in. That yeah. the data access layer you're building, the deployment of the cloud you're you're using. If you want to build other clients, go nuts. Well, and then it really has a roadmap for for as your ne- as your needs grow. It's like you can obviously deploy it as a single user app, right? Mm-hmm. Physically, you can you can deploy it as a two tier application if you need. If you don't have a if you don't have a web server, you just have a database server. You can just basically load the client. It's a, it's a click once client at that point that loads on everybody's machine. Huh. It has to be a Windows machine, but yeah, it can physically be deployed as a two tier app. But as you get more users and you you know user base grows and you need scalability needs grow, it's really easy. You just redeploy it. You don't have to change any of the code. So that's what's really nice about Let's You don't have to make those de- you don't have to make those deployment decisions up front. Hmm. You know that's really the key. So it doesn't have that glass ceiling where it's like, oh great, only five users could use this. No, it's actually built so that you know whatever scalability you need, you know, as you could be like Azure, for instance. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, I know you appreciate that Richard scalability. I absolutely do. That's and what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. And we get into the situation where it's like, we haven't got the infrastructure to do this. Or I think the big one for me is test this. I don't want to touch my existing production app, but you guys are working on a new version. But I want people to have access to it. The fact that I could just light up some Azure stuff, fire it out there for a week let yeah. everybody play with it for a while, get the feedback, shut it all back down, don't incur any more charges, yeah. make the changes, and do it again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, my my entry into Azure is actually light switch because, you know, I, I just easier to build these types yeah. of applications. Well, and, and believe me, if you're working on raw Azure, you need an IT guy around. Like, it's there's a lot of rocket science to making that thing work right it's in fact it's too painful so when you could say to someone hey you get to use azure and really don't need to know anything about it that's very compelling Mm -hmm. like that's a big deal azure is not in a friendly state right now it's hard (laughs) yeah well yeah i mean you definitely need to know the the platform it's a platform and service and you need to know the platform you're building against right. right that's the thing that's the difference with light switch you don't need to know the platform that's the whole point you need to know your business that's all 
Well, and you need to know how to use light switch. But well, you need to know data mod- Really, you need to know data modeling. Like if you, like if you, like anybody creates a database app and, and gets the data model wrong. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like putting lipstick on a monkey or whatever, right? right? It's like you, you, you know, got a monkey. There's pieces of this that feel like what Oslo was supposed to be. You know, I never really got too deep into Oslo, so I can't really comment on how similar it is or not. But, but. You, am I crazy, Carl? Like, think back. Well, Oslo was really supposed to be you as close to you walk up to an app and describe it and an app spits out as it can be. And then it turned into like a database language creation well, it ends language. up being if you want to model an app you end up talking very er you know entity relationship models right it ends up being about the data and you think about the conversation we just had around light switch it's like it starts with the data it does start with the data yeah but um we never got past that with oslo is what i'm saying it was all about data generation yeah light switch is more about application like describe the application because it's about the business it's not just about the data that's the important part but it's about the business rules it's about the screen i mean it's a model-based architecture and what's awesome about it is like say i I refactor a data model like constantly as you're just starting an application up right when you remove a a column or a field or a table lightswitch knows where you've used that in every place in your application even in the code so it will go through you never have errors the error task list we even hide from you because you don't you ever have errors in there. I mean, hmm. once in a while you can really screw up the code you're writing, but like if you're deleting fields for instance, all those fields will remove automatically from the screen. You don't have to go back and like mess with any data bindings or anything. It's all handled for you yeah. because Lightswitch has a modeling language behind it and it just scans that and it goes through and it just looks, "Oh, delete all that field out of the whole yeah. application." So that's that's the key. So it's really kind of it's keeping everything in sync for you. Nice. It's pretty cool. It's awesome. Well, Beth, uh, thanks for telling us all about it. Okay, cool. Yeah, man. it's good yeah, stuff. We'll, we'll schedule something, maybe a maybe a video or .NET Rock show, uh, TV show, DNR TV. Else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be cool. At least one. Yeah, definitely. All right. And well, thanks for having me. Absolutely, thanks for being here. And until then, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, pluralsight.com is where you can get two hundred free minutes of developer training online, Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website, at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a. <laughs>